0: Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the criminal trial stemming from the tragic death of Ahmaud Arbery, a 25-year-old black man who was pursued by three white men, Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan, and was eventually shot to death by one of those men, Travis McMichael. On our last episode, we continued our examination of the testimony of Travis McMichael, focusing on the events leading up to February 23rd, 2020, the day of his fatal confrontation with Mr. Arbery. Those events included an evening encounter with a man believed to have been Mr. Arbery at an under-construction property in the Satilla Shores neighborhood. On today's episode, we will begin our examination of Travis McMichael's testimony about his activities on February 23rd, the day Ahmaud Arbery was shot to death. That's coming up Defense attorney Jason Sheffield begins a second round of direct examination of his client, Travis McMichael.
1: Okay, Travis, I want to move to February 23rd, okay? Let's start with where you were when your dad came in the house, okay? Where were you um, at that time, at that moment? I was in the
2: living room. Uh, I was trying to get my son to take a nap.
1: Okay, Uh, who were you with?
2: I had my son on my chest, obviously, and uh, my mother was in there. and I think my sister was in there as well.
1: Okay. Did your dad come in? He did. All right. What did you notice about your dad when he came in?
2: Uh, he came through the kitchen, the back kitchen door that leads to the garage, and uh, he was in a almost frantic state. Uh, he came in, like I said earlier, he's had hip surgery, he's had stroke, so him going at a Fast pace is kind of a rare thing, and he was moving pretty quick uh, coming in.
1: Did he say anything to you?
2: Yeah, he he said, Travis, the guy that has been breaking in down the road just ran by the house. Something's happened.
1: The guy? The guy. Did you know who he meant by the guy?
2: I was under assumption that it was the same individual that I saw on the 11th. Okay. Because my father was down there as well on the 11th and saw the same video and talked to Mr. Rash or uh, Officer Rash with me as well. So I was on an assumption that it was the same guy from the 11th as who he's speaking of that just ran by. So he ran off. I think he told me to grab my gun. Uh, so I went to my room and the first firearm that I had that was easily accessible was my shotgun. I just cleaned it or I had it out for something. So I grabbed the shotgun. Okay. And walked out, uh, went out through the kitchen door to the driveway where my truck was. Dad went into his into his uh, bedroom, so I was by myself when I came out. I came out to see what was going on. Um, I looked, obviously, out of the driveway or out of the um, garage. Didn't see anything, and then went to the end of the road to where my truck was. Okay. Look, I looked down to the right, and then I looked <clears throat> back down to Tilla where yeah. 220, where the house that has been uh, having stuff stolen and All right. I saw the guy run into was down there. I looked down there and I saw my neighbor, Matt Albenzi, okay. in the road. So when I saw Matt down the road, he saw me and he pointed down the road. What did you think
1: when you saw that?
2: At that moment, <clears throat> have a dad saying, the guy that just ran by the house, the guy that you, that, been breaking into into the house down the road, just ran by the house. I came out, didn't see him, and then saw Matt Albenzi, who was on scene on February 11th, who also saw the video and has been seen has seen videos that we've talked about sure. pointing down the road. I thought it was reasonable that, okay, there's something to this. This guy may have just ran by. Matt may have just seen him, either caught him breaking in, stealing something, or uh, the guy that owns the property that stays in the, in the camper might be on property and just startled him or, God forbid, maybe there may have been an altercation or something happened.
1: Okay. May have seen, may have broken in.
0: In case you couldn't make that out, Sheffield repeated, quote, may have seen, may have broken in, end quote. Sheffield here is seeking to lay out the steps in Travis McMichael's thinking. These statements are the foundation for his argument that Travis McMichael had probable cause to believe that Ahmad Arbery had committed a crime.
1: So, what did you do?
2: So, at that time, my dad came out, came out of the house through the garage as well. My father told me the guy from the other night, which turned out to be Mr. Arbery, but he said the guy. They just ran down Satilla.
1: Good.
2: So, wanted he said, get in the truck. Let's go down there.
1: Okay. So, okay. Your dad is communicating to you. He says, get in the truck. Yes. Okay. You said you had a shotgun. I did. Where did you put your shotgun? I put
2: it right between the seats. It was a, a crease. Uh, and, where's and the muzzle? The muzzle is down to the floorboard, touching the floorboard by the gas pedal.
1: Where did your dad get in the car?
2: So, dad, I had a car seat in the truck at the time. It was a regular cab pickup. and All right, stop there. Okay.
1: All right, so where is your dad... He is st- stuffed in the car seat. And and what is he saying to you, if anything? Um, <clears throat> I think he's cussing about it in
2: the car seat, you know, trying to get in the car seat. And I, I just started driving. At that point, I, you driving?
1: I, I turn out and head towards Burford. Okay. And what are you doing driving in that direction? Uh, I'm trying to find out what's going
2: on. I'm trying to analyze the whole situation, but looking for... Whoever it was that ran by, I haven't made any eye contact at the time, but uh. Have
1: you personally determined who it was that ran by? No, I did not. Have you accepted what your dad has said that this is in fact the guy? I assume that he was correct, but I
2: wanted to verify.
1: Okay.
0: Again, Sheffield appears to be using Travis McMichael's testimony to create a narrative for the jury that he hopes will persuade them that at the moment McMichael sought to detain Mr. Arbery, he had probable cause to believe that a crime had been committed. At this moment in his narrative, Sheffield is making it clear that we are not yet at that point. Travis is still, quote, analyzing the whole situation, end quote.
1: So you said you started heading towards Burford. Yes. All right. Now we're towards Burford. What do you do or what do you see? As we're going, I asked my
2: father, I said, uh, "Have you? Said, did you call the cops or the cops on the way? I'm not sure exactly what I said. I think I said, did you call the cops? Okay. Um,
1: and so at this moment, you're asking him if he called the police?
2: Yes. All right. And? He said... I, I know that he didn't. Uh, he didn't catch what I was saying. I don't think he was paying attention completely. He said yes, yes. I assume that he has called the police. Okay,
1: you're saying I know that he didn't. You mean as you sit here today, you know he didn't? As uh, minutes later, I, I, I realize that he did. Okay. Didn't. At this moment, okay. what was your impression at this moment? That the police have been called.
0: Sheffield appears to be trying to establish for the jury that Travis McMichael is in a mindset of merely assisting the police in their responsibilities and not seeking to be a vigilante.
1: Where do you go
2: now? As soon as we get on Burford, I see uh, turn up, be Mr. Arbery uh, running down the road. Okay, so what are you doing when you first see him? Uh, when I first see him, I'm trying to see if I recognize him. So I continued to to, to to drive up to him. Uh, as I'm getting closer, I recognize his haircut.
1: Um, Where would you say you are on Burford when you get
2: close to him? I was two houses down. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, it was the first uh, first hundred 150 feet. I would say. All right. Now,
1: are you? How fast would you say you're going?
2: At that point, I was probably riding the brake.
1: Okay. Are you honking? No. Are you hanging out in the window yelling? Nope. All right. Do you eventually pull up next to him? I do. Do you hit him with your truck as you pull up next to him? I do not. Where are you when you pull up next to
2: him? I got closer to him off the center line of the road. Okay. Um, and he was two feet off the edge of the road, on, on the road. Okay. As you're approaching him, are you
1: making any observations?
2: Yeah, I'm realizing, at this point I'm realizing this is more likely the same guy that I saw. Okay. Um, but I'm also watching his hands, watching his motions, make sure he's not armed. Okay. Um, I don't know what I'm going into and, you know, if this is the same guy for Bill eleventh then, you know, I, I have some suspicions that he he may be armed and may act on him. Okay. What do you do next? So I come up to him, pull <laughs> up alongside of him. okay. Uh, That moment, I recognize it is him. It is the same guy that I saw from the 11th.
0: McMichael says, quote, It was the same guy I saw on February 11th, end quote. This is a pivotal moment in the defense team's presentation of evidence. What Travis McMichael is saying is that he recognizes Mr. Arbery as the man who was on Larry English's under construction property on February 11th. At this moment, it's worth restating the citizen's arrest law in Georgia at the time of Mr. Arbery's killing. A citizen's arrest could be made only if the suspected offense is a felony and committed within the citizen's, quote, immediate knowledge, end quote. Or there must be, quote, reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion for a felony crime if the offense is committed in his presence or within his immediate knowledge. If the offense is a felony and the offender is escaping or attempting to escape, a private person may arrest him upon reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion." End quote. Through this testimony, Sheffield is building the case that McMichael had probable cause to believe that Mr. Arbery committed a felony on February 11th, that McMichael perceived that Mr. Arbery was fleeing that felony on February 23rd, and that this probable cause and fleeing are sufficient for McMichael to conduct a lawful citizen's arrest of Mr. Arbery. Judge Timothy Walmsley's instructions to the jury will ultimately determine whether there is any legal foundation for Sheffield's assertion that probable cause for a crime that was committed one day can be the basis for a private individual's power to make a citizen's arrest 12 days later. Sheffield continues to guide McMichael through his narrative of his interaction with Mr. Arbery.
1: I uh, asked him, said, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? All right, stop. Are you still driving when you say this to him?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm coasting.
1: I'm, I'm staying with him. I'm staying. He's right there at my door. OK. Have you angled in front of him to block him? I'm parallel with him. OK. You say, hey, Go ahead, what you yeah, what's going on? What, what are you doing? You know, what's the tone of your voice when you just say Just like that. Hey, what's going
2: on? I'm trying to de-escalate. I know that this could go any way, but I'm trying to find out what's going on. Mr. Albenzi's pointing down the road, and he ran down the road, and if this is the same guy, then you mm-hmm. know, there's, there could be something to this. Let's find out what's happening. Okay. So, so you talk to him. What do you say? Yeah, so I said, hey, stop for a minute. Stop. Please stop. Well, he didn't say anything. He's... Can I quote you at stop for a minute, stop, please stop? Did you actually use the word please? I'm sure I did. I'm, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to keep this as non-volatile as possible. So okay. I'm, you know, I'm not screaming at the guy. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to find out what's
1: happening.
2: So, and one thing I do notice when I start talking is the uh, demeanor.
0: In case you found that difficult to make out, Travis McMichael said, quote, One thing I did notice was his demeanor," end quote. This is the beginning of a series of statements from McMichael that seek to paint Mr. Arbery as being in an agitated, unpredictable, and volatile state of mind during their interaction on February 23rd, 2020. McMichael indicates that he is in his truck approximately five feet from Mr. Arbery when he tries to speak with him.
1: Okay, what are you saying? Uh,
2: Hey. What's going on? Hey, stop a minute! Stop a minute! I want to
1: talk to you. What's he doing? That's uh, what I, w- I want to talk to you. Is actually why I said. To Does he stop running at any point? No,
2: he at this point he is still running. But I noticed um, that he's he looks very angry. He's um,
1: describe that. What do you mean? Mad. Um,
2: it was it wasn't what I expected um, for just coming up and talking to him. Uh, it was uh, it was clenched teeth, um, closed brow. He was he was mad, which made me think that. Right. Something, something's happened. I don't we... Okay. It's not what I expected at all.
1: All right. So it's unexpected. So now what do you do?
2: So, kind of analyzing this, you know, and I ask him again or tell him, ask him again, hey, will you stop for a second? He stops, or actually just turns and starts
1: jogging back. back so away. he starts to come back this way. Yes. Yes. Does he speak to you? He did not speak to you. Does he say what? What do you want? Yeah, he's never. Or leave me alone or anything? Nothing. All right. So he starts to run back this direction. What do you do? I back up. Okay. Put the truck in reverse and match
2: up with him again. All right. Uh, As I come up to him, I start to ask him, hey, you know, what's going on? What's going on? He turns and
1: runs. Turns um, and runs which way? Back to Zellwood. Back down this way, okay. All right, now. You're fine, you're fine. Yeah. Um, okay. When you pull up to him the second time and say, hey, what's going on? What do you mean by that question, what's going on? I wanted to know, main thing, What? why
2: is the neighbor pointing down the road from the direction where he's at? I mean, it could be nothing but with Dad saying that the guy that ran by... And then coming out, like what is he talking about, and seeing someone pointing down the road from 220 from where I encountered him uh two a week and a half prior going into the house that has been burglarized. I have had stuff stolen that he's been in you know, several times. That
1: all right, yeah, we need to we need to figure out what's happening. Okay.
0: This seems critical. It is here that Travis McMichael appears to acknowledge that he formulates the intention to detain Mr. Arbery. And McMichael also clearly states that the crime he suspects Mr. Arbery of having committed was the incident 12 days earlier. So, again, the question is whether the citizen's arrest law empowered a private individual to detain someone days after the commission of the suspected felony.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
0: Defense attorney Sheffield next moves on to discuss William Roddy Bryan's involvement in the pursuit of Mr. Arbery.
1: Have you now seen the video? You've been sitting here for the whole trial. Have you seen the video from uh, Roddy Bryan's driveway? Yes. Were you aware of Mr. Bryan in that moment? No. no I didn't. Did you see him on his porch? I
2: didn't. I not never met him before i didn't all I'd right all
1: right so did you know him before this moment no right. or did you ever have any kind of facebook connection with him whatsoever no ever call him on the phone no okay and at this moment are you aware that he's on his porch and can see you and mr arbery there together no all right stupid question time did you look at him and go let's go get in your truck help us out no okay so he starts to run back up the road mm-hmm. after the second attempted a conversation before he ran up the road at that second attempt of conversation did he speak to you and say hey what what is it no what do you want or any kind of words whatsoever did he make eye contact with you uh i'm
2: sure yeah we made eye contact the first time the second time i'm not sure i mean may have but um i was kind of watching his hands you know i was more keen to
1: his hands okay this time when you're backing up, did you back up to try to block him? I did not. When he started going forward, did you move in front of him and try to block him? I did not. All right. What what did you do next? Uh, as he took as he took off running again, I
2: put the truck in drive and stayed with him and kind of analyzing what's going on. Let's explain. Uh, just watching, trying to figure out what's happening, watching his demeanor or, what, you know, if he's... What's happening? You okay. know, what is happening? Like, All know, right.
1: did. did you eventually reach him?
2: Yeah, I, I decided to come up to him again to, to get up next to him again and try one
1: more time, and just tell him, "Hey, the police are coming." All right, freeze. Yep. How far away again are you from him? When I mean, you come up next to him, down Burford Road. Uh, and this far away, about? No further than that. Yes. Four feet. Four, four feet? feet. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Four four, 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 four. Are you yelling? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm actually probably softer than I was the first time. You said that you spoke to him now this third time when you get up here further down Burford Road. Does he stop running at any point up here? Yeah, so after the, I get up to him again, I say, hey, I, I just want to talk to you. I want to know what's going on. He
2: finally stops. Okay. okay. Great. We finally stop. ask what's going on. He never says anything to me. He's still look at me angry. I'm thinking, man, man this guy's, yeah, this, this could be volatile, you know, this This. You gotta watch
1: him
0: here. McMichael says that Mr. Arbery, quote, never said anything to me. He's still looking at me angry. This guy is, this could be volatile, you know. You gotta watch it here, end quote. Travis McMichael continues.
2: Ask him again, hey, what is what happened down the road? Why are people pointing down the road? And where are you running from? He doesn't say anything, and he's still kind of in the same spot he is. He's not, um, He's not squaring up or anything like that. He's just standing there, and I said, "Hey, the police are on the way." As soon as I said to the police, he turned and ran straight back down
1: Burford towards Holmes. Satilla, did that mean anything to you? The way he acted when you said that? It did. Like what? Why would you? If
2: there's if nothing happened down there, if I said the police are on the way and you take off and run, he may have been caught okay. in that house again, and
1: and. Uh, and trying to evade, trying to avoid from being uh, stopped by the police. Well, obviously, this is Try, trying to avoid being stopped by police. Mm-hmm. Did you, at any point in time, when you first approached him and made the first statement to him, hey, stop, please, or when you reversed and said, hey, we just want to talk to you, or when you met him up the road for the third time, at any point, did that gun come off the seat? come out the window, was it shown brandished in any way whatsoever? It was not, and matter of fact, the shotgun slid out from,
2: from my seat and ended up in the floorboard. I couldn't grab it if I wanted to.
0: To clarify, McMichael said the shotgun slid out from the seat and ended up on the floorboard, so I couldn't grab it if I wanted to.
1: Okay, <clears throat> did you tell him you were gonna shoot him? No. Okay. When he ran back, what did you do at that moment after he ran back down the road? So when Mr.
2: R returned and started running down the road, about that time Dad was getting out of the vehicle, uh, obviously to get out of the car seat, and started climbing to the back of the pickup truck. Okay. What did you do? Watching Dad. And then I realized... What you watching Dad? Watching him try to get in the back of the truck. Oh, okay. Uh, and then... I realized that my shotgun was down on the floorboard. Uh, Mr. Arbery is running away. I take the gun out and put it back into my seat. I look down from all that, look up, and then there is a black pickup. The way I'm looking at it on the left side of the road.
0: Travis McMichael is describing William Roddy Bryan's pickup truck.
1: And what's what are you watching happen? Mr. Arbery
2: was at the truck, and he, I'm a couple hundred feet away from this. So I knew that he was on the truck, he was at the vehicle. I couldn't see what he was doing, but he went to the other side of the vehicle and then turned and then continued again.
1: Okay. Is, is there anything about his movement with the vehicle that was of interest to you?
2: Yeah, I, so I was, I was. I didn't know if maybe if this guy was picking Mr. Arbery up or if he was Involved with what happ- whatever happened down there and he was trying to stop him. Or one of my thoughts was, I might hear a gunshot here.
0: Travis McMichael then says he saw Mr. Arbery running in a direction away from both the other pickup truck and from his own vehicle.
1: What
2: did you do? Got back in my truck. At that time, my dad is obviously seeing this as well. Um, and he is telling me to go down there, go down there, go down there. Do you? Vehicle. I do
1: not.
2: Why? I don't want to. I don't know what is going on with this guy, and I don't want to escalate the situation. I mean, my thought at this point now is, whatever happened up there, there's a likelihood that something has happened because when I tell him, when I tell him that the police are coming, he takes off running and then interacts with this vehicle, either trying to get in it or trying to avoid it or whatever happened. Something's not right. I don't know what's going on. The cops are coming from my fault at this point. I'm not going to escalate this any further.
1: I'm so what's going... your goal at this point?
2: My goal is to let the police, know, now, is to let the police know where he's at.
0: Travis McMichael is saying that he was abandoning his efforts to detain Mr. Arbery and allowing the police to deal with the situation. It will be up to the jury to decide whether McMichael, in fact, was truly deciding to abandon the pursuit or whether he was simply making a tactical adjustment to his efforts to detain Mr. Arbery. On our next episode, we will present our examination of the conclusion of Mr. McMichael's direct testimony, including the encounter that led him to firing three shots, two of which struck Mr. Arbery, killing him.
2: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com/slash style.
0: You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. Our consulting producer is Paul Butler. This episode was co-produced and edited by Chris Tarricone. Music was provided by Strike Audio. Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery.